the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app, too. Thanks for listening in. Beautiful day. We actually hit 50, I think. Sunny today, and, and clear skies await tonight. Low down to 29. Clouds for a while tomorrow, then some sun. Good part of the day. A high of 48. Flyers 4-3 over the Rangers last night. Claude Giroux leading the way with three assists. I like saying that word, Giroux. And they're at Buffalo uh, Saturday afternoon. Is their next game at 1 o'clock. Sixers home against Dallas. At 7 this evening. Victoria, how are you doing this fine day? I'm doing well on this sunny Thursday. Yes, I like it. It's Friday Eve, as someone once told me. Yes, yes. Friday Eve indeed. Yeah. And it's nice to see the snow melting outside finally. You yes. what grass looks like now, you know. I like it when God helps me shovel my driveway <laughs> and I don't have to lift a thing. Yep. So, yeah, that's good. And it's like a, it's like a great adventure out there, the flume ride. With all the water coming down right. our driveway? I really cannot remember, like, the first time in a couple of weeks that we've had just clear, clearer roads yeah. and, the gra- and the ground. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. I like the snow, but I'm, I'm ready for spring. Uh, yes. <laughs> I am, too. But so. March is a month that can't be trusted, so we're going to have to make it through March. You are correct. You are correct. We have a quick early break we want to take, and then we want to jump into our conversation today. We have a very special guest who I'll tell you about in a second. Keep you hanging through the break on that. Back with more. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 404 The Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in today. Special guest joining us. Let me introduce you to him. His name is Joe Battaglia. He has a new book called Make America Good Again. We'll be chatting about, but there's a lot of other stuff in this man's interesting life. Broadcaster, in addition to being an author, many other endeavors over his lifetime, concert promotion, film, uh, print media, and on top of that, a local guy, right? Yeah, grew up in Jersey, uh, born in Patterson, raised in Totowa, which is right next to Patterson, which is um, maybe 20 miles outside of New York City. And so I've been here all my life, other than my four years at Boston University. Okay. Um, so, yep, uh, been here and still am here. So. That's great. That's great. Well, Joe, for those tuning in, Joe is uh, many hats, broadcaster, an author. He has had a lot of other endeavors, uh, including film and then print, and is the founder and president of Renaissance Communications uh, currently, which is a media company whose mission is to provide media platforms for gifted communicators of biblical truth. And um, it's hard to describe because you've done so many things, but it's kind of, it's a a really neat story. Maybe you could just start off how God got a hold of you in the first place, because that's really super important to how things went from there. Well, it is an interesting story, which I think is very providential. Let's start while I was a student at Boston U, my sophomore year, uh, I was introduced 
to Christ there on campus in 1970 by Campus Crusade for Christ, which had just started their work there the year before. Okay. So we, we meaning the young people that they had encountered and who had come to Christ through their work, was, were like the first fruits of the Campus Crusade work at Boston University and probably in Boston at that point. And so uh, my background in training and degree is journalism. And so uh, after graduating from BU, where we had done a lot with Crusade those last two years of my college life as a junior and senior, came back home to North Jersey, started a Christian magazine for New York called Alternatives, may have been the first Christian magazine for New York, and that was to help bring the body of Christ together in knowledge of each other. That was right after after graduating Boston University, right? That, that you went almost right into that right away, right? Yes. Okay. Came home, uh, graduated in 72, went to Explo 72 in Dallas, the big Jesus movement rally back then yeah. at Crusade sponsored, came home. Well, again, long story short. Now, the rest short, I actually wanted to mention that the testament, the part about how God got a hold of you at Campus Crusade, and had you had any introduction to the Lord, you know, growing up in your home, or? Sure. Well, you know, you're an Italian in North Jersey. You grow <laughs> up Catholic. Okay. <laughs> okay, there you go. You know, my parents were from Italy, and so we had a very nuclear Italian family growing up in my little town, uh, with my grandparents living with us in a large garden where we grew everything and had a chicken coop. Oh, that's <laughs> so, great. Yeah, so we were very Italian, as I like to say. Yeah. Certainly went to Mass every Sunday and understood that, and quite frankly, liked it. And so my mom had a real strong, uh, I feel, relationship with Christ at that time. And uh, so faith was something not foreign to me, all right? And so when I was approached with knowing Jesus personally— by the Campus Crusade staff member at the time. I said, well, I think I know who Jesus is, you know. And, and then he went through the whole process of, did you ever accept him? I said, well, yeah, right? That's what communion is about. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had a, a nice discussion, and, and he said, well, now you can be sure if you really want to accept him. And I said, well, why not? I don't have to sign anything, do I, or pay dues? Because, you know, my father said, don't ever do anything like that when you're alone. Yeah. And and so, oh, he laughed and said, no, no. And so basically, I uh, just decided back then that I would see what this was all about. Yeah. And I prayed that prayer at the end of the Four Spiritual Law booklet, which you are familiar with. Sure. Which was a, to- a tool that that Campus Crusade used at that point to guide people toward a prayer. As I began to hang out with the students who had professed their faith in Christ and the staff members, I began to see the reality Hmm. of what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ rather than one that is cultural or that you just mentally assent to. And so um, with that background and knowledge, came home, felt God leading me to launch this magazine, which I did uh, in 73. It took a a year to research the need for something like that. So I visited everywhere I could in the New York area, ministries, pastors, organizations, take your pick. 
So I came out with my first issue in 1973, uh, June of 73, and I uh, was doing that for almost a year. And then April of 74, my favorite rock station in New York, which was WWDJ at the time, switched formats overnight to a gospel format. And I found that intriguing. Uh, and since that was certainly in line with news and information for the marketplace I was serving with the magazine, I right. called the general manager and did an interview with him and brought that issue of the magazine back that carried that front page story that I titled From Rock to the Solid Rock. Mm. And nobody there at the station was a Christian at that point. Um, the company had made the switch based on the fact that they could probably sell a lot of program time and make their money that way. And so that's how I got involved in Christian radio wow. uh, in, Ju in June of 1974, because the general manager, who was Jewish, called me and said, let me buy you lunch. And at lunch, he offered me the job as the token Christian salesperson. That's <laughs> because, amazing. Um, he saw that I had a lot of contacts because of the magazine already. As I got involved with WWDJ back then, I then also got involved in the nascent stages of the contemporary Christian music industry okay. back in the mid-70s. It was just beginning. Yeah. Had been, I mean, the, the, the term contemporary Christian music had not even been coined yet. And so um, I thought I would take that job uh, in back in 1974, thinking that I would maybe stay at the uh, at the station for a while while my magazine took off and all that, the opposite happened. Um, the station took off, and the whole Christian music world and religious broadcasting world became a wonderful place that I just loved, and it really grew on me. And so I continued to uh, be involved, you know, in various stages of starting off as a salesperson, then sales manager, then general sales, sales manager, eventually general manager at WWDJ. But the company that owned, that bought the station from the company that started it was Communicom. In 1978, they bought it. They then decided a couple of years later to buy ZZD in Philly, which was one of Philly's top rock stations at the time. And so... Uh, I then was assigned the role of going down to Philadelphia and working with the local team there that had no uh, background in all this. Mm. And so I, I then helped launch the station in its music format. Um, I think it was around, it was in 1980, I believe. Yeah. And that was my role. So I spent a lot of time in Philly working with local ministries and with the uh, new uh, general manager at the radio station, uh, Jennifer Downing. Sure. You know, we all became great pals. And so I was there uh, the day that we flipped a switch at midnight. Um, we ended with Michael Jackson's You're Out of My Life <laughs> <laughs> at midnight yeah. that day. And, and then I forget what we came in with, but that is how that station switch happened. And then ZZD became, of course, uh, significant 
uh, to the Christian community in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Um, and so, yep, I, I was involved in that launch. And was it called and, Philadelphia's? Yeah. Was it called Philadelphia's Light, Light from the get go? Well, that's a good question. Um, it, it might have been. I, I don't remember now. Okay. Frankly, I have fridge and, magnets and, and newsletters. When <laughs> nine ninety was Philadelphia's Light, and then of yeah. course it's changed a couple times over the years, but. Uh, so as far as people appreciating that that history, so that's your tie-in there. Joe Battaglia, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today. We have a quick break to take. We'll keep our conversation rolling. Joe has a new book called Make America Good Again. We'll be getting into but there's some pretty cool history going on here, too. I want to share with you as we have the program rolling out here. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFL.com, and on the app. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Hey, it's 418 the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for listening in. Special guest today. I'm excited to have on board with us. His name is Joe Battaglia. Uh, broadcaster, I mentioned. New book. He's an author. Not his first book, but the new one we're going to talk about, Make America Good Again. But before we get to that, just kind of another little, I want to get into the the other ways people may know of you, because you've had an influence in Philadelphia radio. We mentioned 990, which is currently Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer, conservative news talk, but it was a Christian music and a teaching station for many, many years. And uh, in any case, mentioned, though, that you have dabbled a lot in film and helping promote films. Uh, so your company, Renaissance Communications, just rattle off some of the films people would know you from. Well, the fun part of the fake film thing is that I started at the launch of that, too, 20 years ago. Interesting. With, uh, Veggie, with Veggie Tales and Jonah, their first movie. Okay. Veggie Tales was my client. You know, Renaissance was what I started after my career at the, with Communicom. So I launched Renaissance in 1992 and have had my company ever since. Okay. And one of the, th- one of the things that we do, as you mentioned, is that we are involved in the promotion of a lot of faith-based movies. And so that's been 20 years now. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Um, and so the ones that many of your listeners would certainly be aware of would be, I can only imagine, War Room, Overcomer of late, anything from the Kendricks. Right, Courageous and you know, Fireproof. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Facing the Giants. And so every one of their movies, every one of the Sony movies, starting with Soul Surfer, and uh, Miracles from Heaven, Heaven is for Real, uh, When the Game Stands Tall. I mean, yeah. take your pick. And then all the God's Not Dead movies with Pure Flicks I've worked on. So we uh, work on most of the major faith-based movies uh, that have come out in the last 20 years. And that's been really fun, and, and I'm thankful for that. But we also represent, you know, major people like Dr. Steve Brown with his Key Life Radio Network and and Prison Fellowship uh, with what they do in media, uh, with their Angel Tree campaign and so forth. So that's a lot of what we do uh, currently. Um, and then, of course, that other hat that I wear uh, is, uh, as an author. Um, I've authored now six books uh, with uh, Broad Street, my publisher. The latest is Making America Good Again that released last summer. And so... Yeah, that's what keeps me off the street for the time being, Tim. <laughs> Joe Vitagli is kind enough to hang out with us. Name a couple of books that folks may have picked up already in the past that might be familiar with, uh, you know, by having your name sure. on it. 
Well, I've written three books on faith and culture. The first one, The Politically Incorrect Jesus, which I published five years ago. Um, then I published two books on fatherhood yeah. after that, yeah. called That's My Dad and Father's Say. And then I published um, Unfriended in 2018, which is how to find true community in our disconnected culture. And then last summer, um, Make America Good Again, which is not really a play off of Make America Great Again, but a play off of a quote often attributed to Alexis de Tocqueville, the French social historian who came to this country in the 1830s to actually find out what made it a great country and wrote his seminal books on social history called Democracy in America, uh, which I suggest every student read, although I think they don't read it in school anymore, but it really was a great treatise on looking at America back then. Anyway, there was a quote in there. A lot of people may have heard this quote at some point. It's been attributed to him, but it's not found in his books. Okay. So we don't know who said it, but he could have said it. And I won't do the whole quote because it's rather long, but there's a couple sentences at the end that says, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. That is where I get the title from, because greatness is about achievement, but goodness is about character. Mm. And we have lost our national character and the gentleness and the civility that has always been part of that. And I wanted to talk about how we might recapture that goodness that was so prevalent in our culture and a lot of other themes that I think are important about unity and so forth. Yeah. Um, so that's what the new book is about. Joe Battaglia, our guest, he is founder and president of Renaissance Communications and author of the new book, Make America Good Again, uh, subtitled, if you will, 12 and a half biblical principles to unite our nation, restore true greatness and reshape our political rhetoric. And as you're speaking there, I'm thinking there are different ways you could take this, like, well, why have we lost what we've lost? Uh, what's led to that, perhaps, as well as what can be done to restore it? Maybe just for a second, share how long this, this idea has been marinating for you. Uh, and if it's something that's just more recent acceleration of thoughts and you're kind of crystallized pretty quickly for you, or has it been something you've wanted to re write for quite some time? Well, it's something, yeah, I've been wanting to write for a while. I just led with the other two books first because I normally write about the things I don't like to see happen okay. or see happen in America. That's why I wrote The Politically Incorrect Jesus, because politically correct uh, thinking and agendas drive me nuts. <laughs> I think they are intellectually dishonest to begin with hmm. uh, because they ask, us, they ask us to assent to things that we don't even believe in and things that aren't, aren't even true. And so we've made a point about accepting this nonsense without considering the fallout from it, which is, like I say, intellectual dishonesty. And then I wrote Unfriended, Finding Community in Our Disconnected Culture, because I'm such an advocate about what true community is about. We need each other. And we need each other who are different than each other. Yeah. The, the premise of that is we have 
trying to find community in social media, for instance, which cannot satisfy us. Yeah. Because it cannot provide the things that constitute true community, which I thought, and I write about in the book, which are intersection, communion, and sacrifice. You can't sacrifice for anyone on anyone's behalf if you're not intersecting with them. You can't do it online. Jesus did not come to sacrifice in a vicarious way on the cross. Right. He actually did what he did, and that could only be achieved by the sacrifice. And so I normally use Jesus as my model for everything I do, because you cannot go wrong by modeling who Christ is and what it says about him and his word. That's why I always use him as my North Star, and we have ceased using a North Star to guide us, and we have sought to guide ourselves, which is similar to what happened to Moses when he left the camp to go get, right, the Ten Commandments. Right. So when God's presence leaves the camp, people go nuts. We see that in our public square. Um, you know, you, you begin the fashion gods of your own making in your own image. And uh, that really uh, doesn't take you very far. And, and so we have replaced the golden rule with a golden calf. And we see that happening in our culture and society. And I talk a lot about what went wrong in those two books, okay. uh, uh, about the rise of political correctness, where that started, you know, in 19th century Europe, as a divisive feature to determine good guy and bad guy because of the oppression that many people lived under. So I understand why that was created, tied in very well with Marx's new thinking, you know, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie uh, and, the, and the rise of, you know, the proletariat against the capitalist and the socialist agenda that was becoming, all that was beginning to form back then. And they had to create a good guy versus bad guy scenario. And that became the politically correct agenda. The very DNA of that is to create division, not reconciliation. So the very DNA of politically correct thinking is just the opposite of biblical thinking, which is what forgiveness reconciliation, um, creating unity. The whole spirit of the politically correct movement was division, class warfare, racial strife, us versus them. And so that's why they cannot be reconciled. Uh, there's a whole different spirit. And as I like to point out, that the spirit that you bring into something is the same spirit which is received at the other end by the person consuming it. So when you get engaged in this politically correct thinking, you are ingesting, if you will, the Antichrist spirit. Hmm. So you cannot get along. It does not bring reconciliation. It does not bring unity. It fosters continued division because that's what fuels it. And so that's what I wanted to write about. And what were the things that were we found in our country? Um, 
that we're creating this division. And so uh, it's important to realize how these things originate and what is the spirit behind them. And when you let them into your life and you devour them, you become like them. And that's a, um, you know, a warning for a lot of people because that's not what Christ asked. He asked for unity. He offered forgiveness, reconciliation. That is rampant throughout the New Testament, right? And so uh, we need to recognize the bigger principles, the, the bigger biblical principles that are um, antagonistic to the politically correct agenda and how to understand it and then how to offer something beyond the politically correct agenda to once again foster civility, uh, bring forgiveness and reconciliation back into the marketplace. And so that's why I wrote that and followed up with Unfriended um, as I saw people continuing to put their faith in things that cannot bring you community because we are wired for community, as I like to mention, the first community was in the heavenlies. We had a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus translates that into the into uh, His kingdom here on earth, right? Yeah. Among the among what His people, His bride, His church, and that is true community because He modeled it because that's where it first started in the heavenlies, and then He brings it down to earth, which is why in John 17. In the high priestly prayer, Jesus could have asked his father for anything on behalf of his disciples. What does he ask for? One thing, unity. There is a power to being one. So the genius of our faith is that we are all different, yet one. Right. Not that we are all the same in one. Yeah. Maybe elaborate on that for a second, because I think people think that somehow we're all supposed to be eventually morphing into one kind of person and, and don't know how that, you know, you can be different. And, and you actually need, I think at one point in the book, you talk about you need differences to fill in gaps because if we were all the same, there would be gaps that no one's addressing. Yeah. Well, Jesus didn't say we should all be the same person. He said we should all love one another. That's a lot different than being the same person. <laughs> right. And so we see that even in the New Testament, certainly Barnabas, Paul, Timothy, Peter, Mark. You know, when we see the relationships between the apostles prior to Jesus' ascension and then post-resurrection, yeah. not everybody thought the same, true. but they were unified, you know, in their love of who Jesus was and their commitment to the gospel. Uh, I have a chapter in the book about the way in which we are supposed to support each other. You know, I use the model of the giant sequoia trees in California, and they're the tallest trees in the world. Some range up to 300 feet high. You would think they have really deep roots in order to sustain the winds that would potentially topple them. The reality is that they have very shallow roots. Hmm. And what happens is that the root system extends itself maybe up to 100 feet from the base of the tree, and it intertwines with all the other roots of all the other trees. Really? <laughs> and that is what sustains those giant trees during storms. It is their relationship with other roots. And that is the 
image that I like to convey about us as individuals and as the body of Christ, where we are strong when we are united. That's the great part about unity. It's important for people to realize that unless we go outside of ourselves to be with people unlike us, we won't actually find out about ourselves because it is often the conflict we may have with other people at work, at some other locations that forces us to find out about ourselves and struggle. And oftentimes we become friends in, in the struggle, in the conflict, because we find out if we have to work with each other, that we listen to each other's hearts and we find out that your dream is very much like my dream. If you create separation from yourself and others, you will never find that out. Yeah. Joe Battaglia, our guest, he's a broadcaster, author, been involved with a lot of films, president and founder of Renaissance Communications. We'll keep our conversation going in a second. We're going to talk more about the new book, Make America Good Again. Sunny the rest of the afternoon, then clear tonight, low down to 29. Clouds for a while tomorrow, then a good deal of sunshine, and kind of a mix of clouds and sun the rest of the afternoon. 48 the high for tomorrow. Flyers won last night 4-3. Next game is Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock at Buffalo, and the Sixers are home this evening against Dallas at 7. Quick break. Keep our conversation rolling in just a moment. Listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 436 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Before the break, uh, with Joe Battaglia, our guest, uh, author of the book, Make America Good Again. I think it's page 43 in the book. You're talking about unity and also putting yourself in other people's shoes. And um, it says being on page 43 in your book, being a Christ follower is all about finding common ground with everyone. Jesus did that exceptionally well. The Samaritan woman at the well in the Gospel of John is a good case in point. The powerful thing about this story is that Jesus went out of his way to find someone whom society said he should avoid uh, or or disregard. You know, Jesus goes out of his way to go through Samaria, number one, which no self-respecting Jewish person would do back then, because yeah. that was the land of the half-breed. They weren't considered real Jews. But he went directly through that land and directly engaged with a woman. And that was another thing he should not have done by convention. That becomes such an engaging proposition that she is changed and then goes to her whole village and tells them. And the principle is this. When we go out of our way to be with people unlike us, they will go out of their way to tell people about us. Hmm. And so we need to be people who go out of our way and are on the road in order for us to intersect with people, have that communion, uh, and enable them to see what community looks like. And if we choose to disrespect that and stay huddled, untouched by those who need the gospel, then the reality of what we are are like the salt remaining in the salt shaker. And when that happens, the salt just begins to clump together, and then nothing comes out Mm. of the shaker. (laughs) That's right. And then, you know, Paul expands on that in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, after he makes that amazing 
statement in verse 17 that we all know about we are all new creations in Christ, right? The old is gone, the new is in. Well, it doesn't mean we're retreads. It means we're actually new creations. And then, as a new creation, Paul gives us our job and our job description in the two verses right after that. He says we are ambassadors for Christ and ministers of reconciliation. So we become new people to do what? To become ambassadors to do what? To be ministers of reconciliation. And I like to remind people of the role of the ambassador. The ambassador is someone who is sent into a country not to fix it. The ambassador is sent in to represent the country he's from, not fix the country he's in. Yeah. We're so busy trying to fix our countries, you know, our spouse, our kids, our government, the guy next to me, that we forget. <laughs> Especially the guy next to you. Oh, particularly <laughs> that we forget that's not our job. If we represent the country we're from, the Holy Spirit then comes into that situation. And he's the one. What the scriptures say? He can convicts, reproves, trains in righteousness. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is to do that job of fixing and cleaning up. My job is to represent the country. And then as a minister of reconciliation, you know, that's a nice term, but reconciliation simply means to reestablish friendship between So my job is not to drive people away from God because of the way I act, the political things that I say, or what I do. My job is to reintroduce people to a friend that they once had. And I can't achieve that if I'm driving people away. So I think it's important to reflect and really listen to Scripture. Um, And uh, that's what I try to unpack in what I write, is how do we do that? And so whether it's, um, you know, addressing the, the ills of political correctness so we understand how to uh, model who Christ is rather than model what the world offers us and how to get people back into community because everybody wants that, um, and then how to restore our nation's goodness yeah. rather than our greatness. That's what I'm often more intrigued with and why I like to write about it. Um, so that's good. That's good. There you go. Joe, Joe Battaglia, our guest, uh, founder and president of Renaissance communications and the newest book he's put out, make America good again, 12 and a half biblical principles to unite our nation, restore true greatness and reshape our political rhetoric. And just from a, a quick overview for folks to understand, there's a uh, three sections. The first one is foundations and party platforms. Second one is the issues like immigration, poverty, and uh, green thinking, gun controls in there too, and others. And then section three is rising above, including forgiveness, reaffirming our roots, and uh, the secret sauce that makes it all work. And we won't tell people what the secret sauce is because then it wouldn't be a secret. They need to buy it and find out what the sauce is. (laughs) That's right. Everyone likes a good sauce. I know I do. That's right. Well, well you know, as an Italian, you've got to put, put sauce in there somehow. That's right. But you call it sauce or gravy. Maybe you should put the secret gravy that I makes it. 
<laughs> I know. We called it gravy, too. But, you know, I'm trying to be more generic See? to reach everybody. That's it. That's intentional. <laughs> By the way, for folks just tuning in, you know, you can catch a podcast later. But uh, Joe has been involved, just to maybe as a recap, has been involved in uh, film and in a print magazine early on. But endeavors, like, from the ground level of things, is there something about you that likes to take on that challenge? Because, you know, there maybe there's someone listening right now who is thinking of maybe starting something with God's blessing, of course. Uh, but maybe it feels like, man, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to get that started. I'm not sure. Like, did you, did you feel uh, a sense of apprehension at all starting some of the endeavors you've been involved with over the years or, or were you excited to let just to jump in and God will take care of it? That's almost it. I think this people often ask me, how do I find God's will? And it's usually in terms of, a job, right? Yeah. Yeah, or the person that they'll marry or something to that effect. And I try to help them understand that God's will is not what you do. Simply, you are God's will. God chose to live in you, and everything you do should be his will. So if you understand that you are God's will, Hmm. you no longer have to go find it. You are it. <laughs> yeah. And wherever you put your foot is holy ground, where it can be. And so that's why I've often, you know, looked at around, looked around me and the things that have come into my path. And I would look at that and say, this seems to be God's will because it's in front of my path and I'm walking along the path and I'm the will. And here we are. And so all the things that have come to me that I've done and been involved in are not things that I orchestrated. And I think that's an important thing to understand because we are too busy trying to orchestrate the things that are not God's will. We need to focus on orchestrating our relationship with Christ better and with the Holy Spirit. And then I will be led into the path where I will be confronted with the thing I'm supposed to do. That's how I would suggest that people look at what they want to do versus what is in their path. What are they trained to do? You know, what is their background? What talent do they have? God doesn't give us talent and gifts for no good reason. So that's how I normally kind of address that question. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I like that a lot. Joe Bataglia is our guest. He's an author, broadcaster, been involved in film, a lot of other endeavors, founder and president of Renaissance Communications. Among other things, we're chatting about his newest book, Make America Good Again. Keep our conversation rolling in just a second. It's a Tim DeMoss show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss show on AM 560, WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. It is 447 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Our guest, Joe Battaglia, broadcaster, author, involved with film, print media, also concert promoter, and uh, I'm just thinking, this is the song, Who's in the House, by Carmen, among many songs he did over the years. He passed away last week, and I'm just wondering, did your path with Carmen cross? Did you, did you guys know each other over the years, also being Jersey fellow Jersey guys? Carmen was a longtime dear friend. 
Hmm. Um, I may have been one of the first to ever use them in a concert. Really? Well, before he was signed, actually, with Priority, which was his first label, um, there's a cool Carmen story that Jersey and Philly people can appreciate. So this is Gospel Music Week, which is held every year. Uh, by the Gospel Music Association, for those not familiar with that, in Nashville. This was 1982 at Opryland Hotel, before it was the huge complex it is today. So we were holding Gospel Music Week in April back then, and a guy I know who came looking for me because he said, hey, I just became the manager of this guy named Carmen Licardello, and you're the only Italian here <laughs> in Nashville at this convention, which I probably, there probably was maybe one or two of us. Yeah. But you're from Jersey. You would get him. Would you like to meet him? I said, sure. He's a Jersey boy. Why not? And so um, that's how I met Carmen. Huh. Uh, met him in the coffee shop, went up to his room, listened to his initial Music. I, I remember "Spirit Filled Pizza." Yes, <laughs> that song, and uh, we had such a great time. I said, "Hey, I am uh, next month in May producing a concert with Glad." I mean, a lot of people might remember Glad. They're a Philly-based yes. music group. Great bunch of guys. I was, so I'm doing Glad and David Meese. Why don't you come and open? For that concert, I'll pay you $200. You can come hang with me and my wife. You know, we'll just have a good time. And he did. Wow. Um, And so we uh, hung out and he stayed with us. That's when that's in the days when artists might stay with people, which I had a number of them through those early years just stay with me. Wow. Or when I went out to L.A. sometimes, I'd stay with Terry Talbot. Okay, Um, sure. And, and so it was a whole different vibe, you know, back then at those beginning stages. So anyway, Carmen opens, and I'm standing in the back, as I always do at my events, just to gauge the audience response. And he basically was a very shy guy. Really? Um, very shy, insecure. And I said, I wonder how this is going to play on stage. <laughs> well, the moment he hits the stage, transformation. He then becomes Carmen. And I'm standing at the back of the auditorium, and the audience is going wild. They give him a standing ovation. He's the only one that got the standing ovation that night. <laughs> and I, I knew at that point, God has his hand on this guy. And so through the years, you know, we, we did events all the time. If he would come by, he would come and hang out with Luann and I. And then when my daughter was born, he'd come visit bring her something. So Carmen has always been a longtime pal. In the 90s, uh, Sparrow hired me to do his life story because I was producing a lot of radio specials when I first started my company. Okay. And so I did the life story of Carmen. I have a two, it's a three-hour radio special that aired on numerous stations, and I have the segments right in front of me. And the reason I have them right in front of me on my desk the whole three hours is because I'm working with a producer who was working with Carmen to do his, um, a movie about his life. Uh, 
And so I spoke with Jack, the producer, because he was with Carmen there at the hospital, uh, who was, and he was doing fine that day, sitting up, you know, being Carmen, talking about the tour, because he was uh, planning a, a, a major city tour uh, in the fall. Yeah, maybe the fall, yeah. sometime soon. And uh, I met with them at uh, Opryland about September, October last year. And we talked about working on the movie uh, on Carmen's life. So uh, Jack says that they're still going to do it. Okay. And so I am looking forward to seeing how that might happen and being a part of it if that's what happens. But, uh, yeah, Carmen was a really good pal, and, and I was very saddened yeah. to hear that the other night. Folks, just tuning in, uh, Joe Battaglia, our guest, just as we're wrapping up our conversation, and of course, Joe being from uh, Patterson, I guess he said you were born in Patterson, when I think my my mom and yeah. dad were, mom was born in Chicago, dad was born in Albany, but they, uh, I think their first stop before they settled down was Patterson uh, at the double check. Oh. But uh, yeah, they spent a lot of time in, in, in Jersey and then a little bit in the, in like uh, the, the Philly's border of Philadelphia suburbs and, and then eventually oh. into Philly. But um but I mentioned that because Carmen, you know, I was looking on, on my social media the other day after his passing and everybody, it didn't matter what walk of life they came from, musically speaking, in the Christian music world and industry, they all had something to say, uh, generally very complimentary or very influential. And then I wound up playing a bunch of Carmen videos for my kids. I'm like, you know what? I don't know why I haven't done this before, <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, so. yeah. Carmen was probably one of the more unique artists ever in our uh, yeah, PCM world. It's true. I, I showed my kids Sunday School Rock, which has like, you know, mm. a, a surf old-time vibe, fun kind of dun 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 bump bada dun like, And then mm-hmm. uh, Who's in the House? Uh, no, Monster, oh, yeah. no Monsters, Mission 316. And then, of course, you have like mm-hmm. Revive Us, O Lord. And then you have Satan Bite the Dust. Like one, one of, uh, there's a friend of my daughter's who said, so he was kind of genreless. I said, "Yeah, like he. It's hard to describe <laughs> him because he did everything. Yeah. It didn't matter. And but and I actually found an interview I did with him in in 2000, and it was a short interview. But he said I asked him about all of the different things he does. He said he works with something until it doesn't seem to be working anymore. Then does something else. Not because he's trying to sell albums, but his desire to present the gospel effectively. He's like he wasn't married to any one particular thing. Like I'm a I'm a pop singer i have to sing pop all the way to the end right you know yeah. it was whatever's working yeah, he, how do i reach people well and the unusual thing of course is the, the length of the story songs sure that we played on radio which would never happen today right because it's too form it's too formulaic he told me in those early days that inspiration to do story songs came from watching don francisco sing he's alive hmm. and his uh, other song because Don had two songs that were story songs, right? Yes. Um, I think He's Alive was 1978, was Song of the Year. And so you don't hear story songs ever. Yeah. And so that's how some of that got into his heart, because he just loved telling stories. And the reality was he had no friends as a kid. You would think a guy like him would have, but, you know, this is part what's in my... Uh, my three hour special. Okay. Uh, as we, as we talked, this is how he would stay in his room and make up all these things in his head. Interesting. 
and envision himself and why. And he loved boxing, so that's why he created the champion. You know, hey, he's from Philadelphia. How do you not like boxing if you're growing <laughs> up? You're an Italian kid growing up. I mean, you're Rocky. Yes. So he loved Rocky, and he, he liked boxing. And so that's where the champion comes from. You have a lot of these uh, images that were in his head that came as a result of his loneliness. Hmm. That God took his imagination and gave him time to create in his head the things that he would one day do in his story songs. I love that. Joe, it's great talking with you. Again, JoeBataglia.com to look up all the different things we've been chatting about today, including the new book, Make America Good Again, 12 and a Half Biblical Principles to Unite Our Nation, Restore True Greatness, and Reshape Our Political Rhetoric. And uh, God bless you, my friend. Hopefully we can do this again uh, before too long and catch up on other endeavors you're, you have going. Well, it's your show, buddy. You want to <laughs> invite me? I'm here for you. <laughs> that sounds great. I appreciate that. Joe Bataglia on the Tim DeMoss Show. And uh, we have just enough time. Man, I enjoyed uh, I learned a lot ch- talking with Joe there. Uh, I'm looking forward to re-listening to some of that. We'll have the podcast actually up for you a little later on tonight, right on our homepage at WFIL.com. A um, couple of random thoughts as we ra- wrap things up. Let's see. A lot of contesting going on. We're giving away the new Michael O'Brien CD. That wraps up this weekend. The book, The Glorious Pursuit. We had uh, author and speaker Gary Thomas on recently. Podcast on our site. Giving away his new book. We have the new C.C. Winans CD coming out in March. It's called Believe for It. We're giving that away. And, uh, what? oh, Cash for Couples. Hey, Vic, what would you do with 500 bucks besides buy me a lot of birthday presents? No, definitely buy myself food. Huh. And uh, buy maybe some shopping, some clothes. Okay. Uh, you know. But yeah, the point myself, about sorry. my birthday present, uh, June June 23rd, you can put a big circle on your calendar. Yeah, that's Just, not going to be 500 bucks. Okay. No, well, it doesn't be all of it. You know, maybe half. <laughs> uh, tomorrow on our fame. So anyway, that contest, the cash for couples contest, we're getting 500 bucks. That ends tomorrow at midnight. So get Sadly, ends. I'm not qualified for it. No, well, yeah. So, yeah, see? See? But tomorrow you all qualified to present some work you've been working on this week. Right? Yes, we have some nice uh, Phillies clips, updates on spring training, and what's going on down in Clearwater. Good. Uh, you got Bryce Harper in there, some other players too, right? We got uh, Alec Bohm. We got Spencer Howard. Good. Joe J- Girardi, the coach, of course, the skipper is important. That's good. And a lot of people. That'll all be on our program tomorrow, among other things, our famous Friday show. Have a wonderful night. Jim Max and Max 413 Ministries leads in prayer next. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.